Hello, beautiful people. Welcome back to the show. Today, we are hanging out for a Q&L episode. If you listened to last week's episode, assuming you're listening in real time, then you know that we hung out with Veronica Solomon. And I gave you a bit of a heads up that we were going to be having a Q&A. And so it is here. Now, if you missed last week's episode, first of all, I encourage you to stop listening to this one now and go listen to that one first because last week we had such an amazing conversation, Veronica and I, and I think it's one that you'll definitely want to listen to first before diving into today's questions. She has been creating beautiful interiors for the past decade and she knows a thing or two about the industry as she's seen all of its highs and lows and evolutions. And even within her own business, she's seen highs and lows and evolutions, all of which we talked about last week. So go listen to that episode and then come back and listen to today's Q&A where basically I'm spitting out questions and Veronica is dropping knowledge bombs. So let's dive right in. Welcome to The Design Influence, a show dedicated to changing the conversation and creating impact on and offline. The Design Influence is all about you, the online designpreneur, helping you be a better designer and entrepreneur in this new digital landscape. I'm your hostess with the mostest, online interior designer, content creator, and nonstop idea machine, Albie of Albie Knows Online Interior Design. If you're ready for some candid and caffeinated conversations about everything from decoding interior design tools to growing pains as an entrepreneur to figuring out what the heck it means to be an influencer, then turn up your earbuds and let's dive in. Hey guys, today for my Q&A, I'm hanging out with Veronica Salomon, and I know you guys are going to love her answers, so let's start with question number one. Uh, oh, this I know you're gonna love this one, Veronica. <laughs> I'm I'm just getting started, and everyone says I need to niche down. How do I identify my niche, especially if I don't want to? Yeah, so niche can be a good thing. So I'm not totally against it, but um, I think the most important question you should ask yourself is what do you want to do? Um, it's it's that self discovery that you have to um, find first understand what you're passionate about, understand what you'd like to do, and then understand what your market will support. So you could want to niche, niche down to um, just doing boats and you live in uh, Alaska. I don't know. Does Alaska have boats? I don't know. <laughs> but you have to understand your market, um, understand who you are and what you're trying to do in order to really niche down, um, I, I believe. Um, and to answer your question, they do. And I only know this <laughs> because I'm in Washington and if I'm not mistaken, all of our seafood comes like back and forth from Alaska. <laughs> <You> to <know. laughs> Fun fact, see, you learn a lot of things when you listen to it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're near, right? <laughs> um, perfect. So next question. And oh, this actually really aligns with the season you're in. Um, as a solopreneur, I want to diversify my services more, but I don't have a team. How can I still expand as just one person? Um, you just have to learn to work smarter. Um, you know, working hard is good. And it's one thing I, I'm still a big believer in working hard, but you can only do so much in one day. It's just really utilizing your time wisely. Just um, being able to uh, manage your calendar well and um, knowing what projects to take on. 
that's going to help you to really work as if you were a bigger team. And of course, you, you can still bring on um, freelancers and VAs and support people to help you as you need. Um, that's what I do on, on, on bigger projects and even on some of my, um, whenever I need to outsource drawings and renderings and things like that. So um, you can still be a solo and still get a whole lot done as if you have a big team. You just have to work a little bit smarter. Love that. Um, question number three. Um, I'm starting out and struggling with consistently securing clients. Mm. What has been a successful avenue for getting new projects to keep the pipeline healthy and consistent? Well, the biggest thing is learning how to sell. Um, I think a lot of designers hate that part of their business when, um, and when you're selling, you're not selling as if you're selling, you have to really care about the needs of your clients. So you have to kind of think of it this way. You already um, did all of the legwork and all of the marketing to get into this client's home. This can be more than you think it is. So I find that a lot of designers, they will get a call. Okay, this client just wants me to come do her curtains, for example. And they don't see the opportunity to upsell the furnishings, you know? I mean, it does not mean the client, because that's what they call you for, that's all they want. They're looking to you as an expert to really help them um, get the overall look because that's ultimately what they want. They just, they don't want just curtains. They want a beautiful living room. So that's first and foremost is kind of um, upselling and cross-selling and uh, understanding that you're in a sales role, but you also need to first make your presence known to even get that client in the first place. And you cannot be running a business and um, be shy about it. You have to tell everybody who will listen. You have to shout it from the mountaintop. So that is through your website, through social media, um, uh, sending out postcards, all those things. I mean, you have to do a little bit of everything and do them consistently. I mean, 11 years later, I'm still sending out postcards. In fact, I got a call yesterday from a lady who got one of my postcards and she's just like, um, I got your postcard about three weeks ago and, um, me, me and my husband, we're ready now to work with you. That was, you know, you think that people throw these things out and 90% of them do maybe even more than that. But you have to do every little piece of the marketing in order to keep a consistent pipeline. There is no shortcut to doing that. I, I'm glad you mentioned the postcards because I feel like recently a lot of people have ditched, you know, the like the the old school quote unquote ways of, of marketing for just like the digital ways. So I'm, I'm glad you shared that postcard story. That, yeah. That's kind of awesome. <laughs> uh, question number four: I just left my full time job to pursue my side hustle of design um, as now my only career. So what are some first steps to legitimizing my business? Um, well, it's becoming, becoming the face of your company, I think. Becoming a brand, um, being known for something. Um, and it may go back to niching a little bit because if you're, if you're um, side hustling into your design, then you kind of really want to be really focused and really making sure that you're targeting your, the people that you actually do want to work with because you don't have time to waste really if you're doing two things um but just really becoming the face of your company and branding yourself well having a great presence online again it goes back to that but um people um and even getting reviews and things like that people want to work with legit people they want to work with people that they like and you just have to put that presence out there um either you know through your website and social media again and um getting those reviews and um uh, kind of trying to get your clients to refer you out. Just, just things like that that makes you a bigger company than you actually are. You, you kind of have to put yourself in that, um, in that mode where you, you're, you're working like you're, you're bigger than you are, I guess. 
Nice. Um, this what, what, you might, I think you'll like this one. I'm going to my first trade show soon, and I want to make sure I represent my business in the best way I can. Do you have any tips for this? Well, the biggest thing about going to trade shows, going to market is um, going there to meet your representatives. You need to meet your sales reps. And, uh, and honestly, it's, it's a hard thing sometimes because they're busy. That's, that's their big hustle. That's when they make their money. And so you may or may not be able to reach all your reps, but you need to really focus in and even set up appointments with a couple of them and go and make your presence known to them and let them know that you um, you want to do business with them. You'd love to hit certain goals. They love to hear the goals that you have for, for, for working with them. I'd love to do about $50,000 with you next year. How can I get started with setting up an, an account and all that? Talk to them and, and, and show your face and um, create you know make an impression on them because you're Reps really, they will take really good care of you and provide you with what you need. But other than that, you need to just utilize your time well while you're at trade shows and markets just to kind of make sure that you are getting your money's worth out of it because you're not just going there to look and be inspired. You're really going there. It's a business thing that you're doing. You're, you're looking for avenues and ways to grow your business. And, um, and, and again, being a little bit bigger than you are because sitting now with some of these reps, if you're just starting out in business, some of them don't even want to give you that time of day because, you know, hey, you don't really have much to offer me right now. But you are going to prove to them that, hey, you might want to pay attention because here I come, you know. And I had to do that many years ago. It's just like, tell my website, listen, you want to you wanna listen to me because, you know, two years from now, I'm going to be your main source of fabrics or whatever. You, you, you kind of want to talk the talk and then walk the walk. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, yeah. But the most important thing is like really showing yourself at market and, and, and showing your, you know, meeting with your reps and checking out all the resources that you are wanting to bring back to your clients. I love that. Um, and as someone who is new to the market industry, I can definitely appreciate um, the truth in that. Um, mm-hmm. So definitely some good, some good information there. The next question is, I've finally gone from making money in my business to actually making a profit. How do I actually pay myself? Well, you should be paying yourself even when you're not making money. <laughs> you should always pay yourself first in business. <laughs> Um, and I learned this the hard, I mean, I, I didn't do that for many years and, and I was basically reinvesting into my business, but, um, I learned, a, you know, a few years into my business that I should pay myself because it is a mindset thing. It, it tells me that here I am, I'm replacing the income from whatever job that I left. And it's all of a sudden it's a legit business in my mind because I'm paying myself. And I may end up t- taking that same money and reinvest it back into the business, but giving yourself a regular paycheck is important. So you just do like a draw, which is what I do in my business and pay myself. I don't have employees right now. I'm going to have to look into the whole employee taxing and all of that stuff and social security and all that's already making my head swell. But, um, <laughs> but it's important that you draw an income from your business and that will literally drive you to making more money because you want to make that paycheck. And if you follow the profits first um, philosophy, you will realize too that you make sure you pull that profit out of your business before you pay expenses. And then that will teach you and that will, um, y- you will learn how to properly um, work your numbers. So you're always paying your bills because you, you never want to pull profit out and then you don't have money left to, work to pay your bills. But when you start doing that, that will help you to, to really know your numbers and know what you're doing and, and study every project that you're doing. Love it. 
And that's something I know a lot of people struggle with, um, not even not knowing how to pay themselves, but just they want to put it right back into the business. They're an entrepreneur, so they feel like everything goes back into the business and then the bills, the bills pile up. <laughs> well, I mean, and there's a point, there is a period of your business where you, you, you do, honestly, because and I find that a lot of people don't like putting money back into their business. They, they think that um, uh, they won't invest in that software or they won't invest in that course if you know it's going to be good or hiring a mentor or whatever it is. So there are times when you really have to um, just make some sacrifices because what you're doing is saying, I'm taking this little bit of money, investing in my business because there's going to be a bigger return later on. So it's necessary sometimes, but it is important to take that money and pay yourself so you can live the lifestyle that you want, the freedom that you were seeking when you became an entrepreneur to begin with. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, this one is, what is this, question number seven? Uh, my online services do way better than my in-person services. Uh, but even though they're all local clients, so I'm guess all the online services, all the online clients are local. How can I shift the table to be seen as more than just an e-designer? I think your marketing message is going to have to change a little bit. Uh, um, Cause I know you're an e-designer and you do most, most of that. And anybody else who's listening, I don't know exactly what your website says. I know for me, my website says everything about me. Like somebody can go to my website and know this is what you get. So I don't know if it's a marketing message that needs to change to say um, where you're focusing, not just on e-design bit, but you're, you're just kind of serving clients and e-design is just a part of what you offer them. Um, but I, re- I think that's the biggest thing. And just um, start taking on clients and guiding them through that whole process. Even the e-design clients, when they come to you, um, it doesn't mean you can't say to them, you know, um, it seems as if um, managing this for you might be the best for you. If it's a client that you know is that they're busy and they're, they're never home or whatever it is, um, why not upsell them on, um, okay, let me take care of the project management bit for you. It will cost you a little bit more, but it's going to be beneficial for you because you won't have to worry about this. It's all turnkey and whatever. So you can take those e-design clients and, and, and turn them into full service clients and really start going in that direction and changing a little bit of the marketing message that you're putting out there. I love it. And especially if it is that it's something you're offering both, you just got to put both on the forefront and really just make sure that both are getting equally seen. If you're only pushing e-design, people will only hire e-design. And it Absolutely. goes back to the point of when you said, you know, you got to sell. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. So I, I, I love that. Um, this is going to be the last question. Um, setting my prices is difficult because I want to be profitable, but I don't want to turn people away. What is the sweet spot? Um, so when you have come to the point where you know that you have the expertise and um, the, you're bringing something to the client that um, makes your fees make sense for them and your market can support it. And while you should never um, follow the going rate in your market, because that's always wrong. People, you know, designers were notorious for not setting you know, proper fees. You don't want to follow the going rate, but you also want to study your market and understand market share and what, what you're bringing to the table. Um, then you, you really just need to give yourself a raise and really need to um, give the value along with that. So you can't be like um, expecting hiring clients and um, you, you have the offerings for that. You have everything in place for that. And if you're charging $50 an hour, they're probably going to question, you know, so, so, so what makes, what, why is she only charging that? 
Um, or it can be the other way either where you're charging this much money, but you're, you're not really bringing that to the table. Right. So you have the sweet spot is really just to kind of weigh the value what you offer, your experience, expertise, how much time you're, you're saving your clients, how much money you're saving your clients, your processes are in place. You have a airtight, um, system for, um, onboarding clients and taking them through the whole process. And then your fees need to reflect that, um, and make sure that you're, you're, you're still competitive in your marketplace without, um, without giving away, without following that going rate that I mentioned earlier, because again, that's usually not, um, correct. You want to make sure that it's a market that can support your fees as well as expertise that you bring. And I think that's a sweet spot. It's just really being strategic about setting your fees and it shouldn't be just a number that you're pulling out of a hat you have to sit down and figure out where you are in the market where you are in your in your business and set your fees accordingly but i really truly believe that no designer should be below i know we have this debate and this discussion a lot in our facebook groups no designer should be under a (laughs) hundred dollars just because ultimately i do think your fees reflect on the market in general and we're all trying to elevate this industry because there's just so many forces out there that tells consumers otherwise and so I feel like if designers are charging too little, it, it doesn't say very much for the industry. But at the same time, too, you could be in some rural part of um, the world and um, you have to kind of start there and build from there. So you have to all look at all those variables. There's no one answer or no one size fits all. You have to know the, this information to set your fees. That's perfect. And I, I hope you guys take notes because there was a lot. It was eight questions, but there was so much good information in there. Veronica, thank you for letting us pick your brain today. And look out, we do have a full episode with Veronica, so be sure to check that one as well. And I will see you guys next week. Bye. Bye-bye. A lot of information in a quick episode, but that is what makes these Q&LB episodes so amazing. So what did we cover? In case you want some help kind of navigating exactly what was answered in this episode, here are the questions again. I'm just getting started out and everyone says I should niche down, but how do I identify my niche? As a solopreneur, I want to diversify my services, but I don't have a team. How do I do that as one person? Setting my prices has been difficult because while I do want to be profitable, I don't want to turn people away. So how do I find that sweet spot? I just left my full-time job and now my side hustle as a designer will be my full-time career and focus. So what are the steps I need to take to legitimize my business? As an e-designer, my online services do way better than my in-person services, but all my clients are local. So how can I be seen as more than just an e-designer? I'll be attending my first trade show soon, and I want to make sure that I represent my business in the best way that I can. So what tips can you suggest? I've finally gone from making money in my business to actually making a profit in my business. So now I need to figure out how to pay myself. And lastly, I'm just starting out and I'm struggling with securing clients consistently. So what are some successful avenues for securing new projects and keeping the pipeline healthy and full. Like I said, small but mighty. 
So I hope you guys definitely got some of your questions answered through the questions that we tackled today. And even if they weren't answered explicitly, (laughs) you can always shoot me an email, a DM, leave a comment under any one of the corresponding posts on Facebook, on Instagram. And if it's a guest episode, especially someone like Veronica, you can always tag her over on Instagram. She has a wealth of information that she's always open to sharing. She also has her Facebook group, which I will leave the information for in the show notes. And I know she shares a lot of information there as well. So again, even if your question wasn't explicitly answered in this episode, I know you will be able to get your answer from one, if not both of us. And also let me know whether it is via an email or a DM or a comment or whatever, what are your thoughts on the Q&LB episodes? Do you want more? Do you want less? Let me know. <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. And if you went rogue and listened to this episode before you listened to my conversation with Veronica, the previous episode, definitely go back, listen to that. Thank me later. Do not be a stranger. And if you have not already subscribed to the show, I really hope you take the time to do so today. Thank you for making me part of your day, morning, afternoon, whatever. Thank you for making me part of your routine. And I will catch you in the next episode. Bye.